Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. We continue today our study of the first book of Samuel, Shmuel Aleph, and we are about to read Perak Yudalid, that's chapter 14. Um, we ended chapter 13, learning of the very dire and uh, desperate situation that the people of Israel were. Uh, they were being led by King Saul, the newly minted king, um, However, Saul's son Jonathan had uh, in, had um, attacked uh, some Philistine officers, leading to um, uh, a massive array of force of the Philistines coming out against the people of Israel uh, to show them who's boss. We learned of the terrible oppression that the Philistines had put the people of Israel under. We learned that the people of Israel didn't even have any um, weapons. Uh, and the people were frightened and scared. They all ran from, from uh, f- in fright. Many escaped to the other side of the Jordan. Many took up hiding places in caves and, and uh, behind rocks just because they were f- so afraid of the Philistines. And Saul was left with only 600 people that were still supporters and still waiting with him. And Saul at this point had no real plan, but we'll find out in a minute what his plan uh, was um, I'll find as as we read what Saul was thinking would help him win, and we're going to see a contrast, a tremendous contrast between Saul's son Jonathan Yonatan and Saul himself and Shaul himself, um, between how they each understood what it means when one says that God will help. What does it mean when one has has uh, has trust or faith in God? That God will help in a desperate situation. I want to before and and the contrast between Jonathan and Saul demonstrates to us what the problem here is with Shaul. What what exactly is 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 the flaw in his being king and the reason why he did not continue to be king. Um, so and and uh, and so we'll pay attention to this, but also I wanted to point out that this story, as we hear, is very similar story to one that happened with Gidon in the in the book of Judges, chapter seven. And I recommend that you go back to Judges seven and read what happened when Gidon was faced with the massive array of the Midianite army, and and God also had Gidon. Um, uh, victorious, despite having very, very few soldiers. Uh, you know, he was also way outnumbered, and Gidon won. If you recall, uh, Gidon also sent a um, a uh, um, a few soldiers to listen in and and scout out the the um, the mood, the uh, morale of the Midianite army until he found that the Midianite army was very afraid of him, and he therefore took advantage of that low morale and that fear to cause chaos within the camp of the Midianites and thus be victorious. Um, It's clearly obvious that Jonathan understood that he needed to do the same thing and that Having that that he that it is possible for a small group of people to win over a great army by taking advantage of things like uh, understanding the morale of the enemy and how you know and, and learning those lessons. So what we're going to find here is not a miraculous victory in the sense of of um, 
you know, a splitting of the sea type of a victory or a lightning strikes from heaven kind of victory, but a victory that's miraculous in the sense that, that uh, what true faith in God means, having faith that when you're right and when you are standing up for the proper cause, then you don't sit back and do nothing or rely on superstition or magic, which is what Saul is going to do, but rather you need to take advantage of the things that you do have, those things that you have the strength to do and use them to your benefit and try to win despite being against all odds. And this is the key. The key is that you never give up and you understand that danger will exist, danger will happen, and you may or may not be successful, but having faith in God is knowing that when you have to do something and when it's the right thing to do and it needs to be done, you stand up and do it, and you smartly and intelligently and diligently and bravely take advantage of whatever advantages you have. So, so let's uh, keep all of this in mind as we study chapter 14. Vayayom. And it happened on, 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 on a day, uh, you know, it just, uh, just happened to be a, during a day while this, this battle was uh, uh, about to take place by Yomer Yonatan ben Shaul. And Yonatan, the son of Shaul, said, Elhanar no seke, love said to the boy who, the young boy who, um, who the young man who, who carried his weapons. In those days, you know, the spear and the sword, and Jonathan was one of the only ones, only Jonathan and Saul, as we learned, actually had weapons, real weapons. Um, there was, uh, you know, an attendant who carried it. Um, he says to him, Let's go and cross over to the other side, you know, to where the Philistines are camped. Which is over this uh, ravine or this uh, this valley here. And he did not tell his father, presumably because his father, Shaul, would have said, No, don't do it. And Saul, he was, at the time, he was sitting at the edge of the Giv'ah. The Giv'ah is the, uh, the mountain region of Benjamin where, um, where Saul was uh, from and where, where all this is taking place. And he was at the edge, Tachat Harimon, sitting under a pomegranate tree, Asher Migron, which is in a place called Migron. And the people that were with him, these are about 600 men. In other words, because everyone else had run. So there was hardly anyone there. So Saul is sitting, doing nothing, really, at this point, while uh, Jonathan is thinking what he can do. How can I take advantage? What, can, what kind of weaknesses can I find in the Philistine army? So now, what was Saul doing when he was sitting there? He was relying on exactly what um, he should not be relying on. And how do we see this? And man by the name of Achiyah, the son of Achituv, Achi Ichavod, who was the brother of Ichavod. Now remember, Ichavod was the son um, of, of the daughter-in-law of Eli. Remember when Eli... Uh, uh, found out that the ark had been stolen by the Philistines back several chapters ago, um, and that his sons had died in battle. Um, Eli fell over and died, and his daughter-in-law went into labor fi- after finding out that the ark had been stolen, and after she found out that her husband had died, and she gave birth to uh, a son, and the son, and she named her son Ichavod, meaning there is no honor. 
that at the loss of, so this is very important, Ben Pinchas Ben Eli, Chavod, who was the son of Pinchas, who was the son of Eli, Kohen Adonai Beshilo, who was the Kohen, the, um, the uh, priest of God in Shiloh, Nosei Ephod, he was carrying an Ephod. So th- this connection to the family of Eli, the doomed family of Eli, that made the mistake of what? They made the mistake of having faith in the ark, in symbols, in rituals, right? And, 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 and leading the people astray. And while they were corrupt, while they were oppressors, taking advantage of the people, taking advantage of their position as religious, and as religious in quotation mark leaders, right? They were corrupt. They were, uh, 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 took advantage of the wives of the, of the pilgrims. I mean, they were corrupt on every possible way, taking bribes, stealing from the sacrifices, and so on. Here, Saul is with them, has one of their members of the family um, with them. And what is he carrying? An aphod. An aphod is an apron of sorts, but it's an apron typically uh, decorated with uh, precious metals and stones, and it is a symbol of, of, of priesthood. Now, um, remember, the aphod was the downfall of Gidon. The story I just mentioned to you of Gidon from Judges 7 Right? We learned how Gidon was victorious in battle, but that afterwards he used the, um, the precious metals and stones that were the booty from the war uh, that he won to make an aphod, and that was his downfall because he didn't understand. In other words, it, it became, that aphod became an object of, 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 uh, of worship. It became uh, an, an object of idol worship. So the aphod, the connection between these two stories is very important to, to remember. So here we have, um, here we have Shaul relying on a corrupt priest Right, carrying an aphod, which is a representation of the, he thinks it's a representation of God because they were a coin, they were priests to God. Right. However, this is not the kind of thing that God wants. What God wants in this situation is not that you should have faith in this item or this object, this superstitious object, but rather you should do what Jonathan is doing, and that is look at the situation that you're in, figure out what can you do to save the people, and do it. But the people didn't know they didn't know that Jonathan had snuck away. So, so here is setting up the situation where Jonathan is sneaking away with one guy and everyone else is sitting around with the aphod and the priest and all this, all this nonsense. Verse 4, And between the, um, uh, at the area of the crossing, the crossing which Jonathan wanted to cross over and pass through, but it was between the camps and he wanted to go towards the camp of the Philistines. There was a, uh, a, a rocky, um, a sharp uh, rock, sto- a stone uh, on one side, and a sharp stone on the other side. And one was called... Um, uh, and the other one was called Mulgava. And one of them was um, located on the north opposite Michmas, which is where the Philistines were, and the other one was on the south opposite Geva, Giva, which is where Saul was. Now, it's just giving us these uh, 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 sign 
uh, post so you should know where this all took place so you visit the area and you could see the the um where the battles took place and exactly where it was that Jonathan crossed over Vayomer Yonasan and Jonathan said Elhanar to the to the assistant Nosei Caleb who was carrying his weapons let us go and cross over to the camp of those those Arelin literally means those circumcised uncircumcised ones we saw this term being used by the parents of Shimshon uh, when when they are referring to the Philistines as the Arelim, as the uncircumcised ones, so basically it's a way of uh, of reminding us that these are not just Gentiles in the sense that they happen not to be Israelites, but they also have no relationship with God like we do. So remember, maybe God will do something for us. There is nothing that prevents God to save us, whether we're mighty or whether we're few. And so the bottom line is, is that Jonathan is here remembering we have a relationship with God. That relationship is symbolized by the circumcision that we have on our body. And that should remind us. And remember, he says, maybe God will do something great for us. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Maybe we'll win. Maybe we won't. But we still have to do what we have to do. Right? We don't have a choice. We got to do something. Whether we're a lot of people or little people, let's see what we can do. And there's clearly Jonathan had in mind what had preceded him by uh, uh, probably a couple hundred years with a story that happened with Gidon and how he was able to win over the Midianites with only a small number of people. So Vayomer alone was A.K. Love, and his assistant, the one who carried his weapons, told him, Do whatever it is that your heart tells you to do. Um, just go ahead, right? Um, go ahead and uh, lead and lead, uh, and I will be with you as, uh, as you decide to do, as whatever your heart decides to do. Vayomer Yonasan. And Jonathan said, Let us go over to those men. Let's walk over to that other rock on the other side and let us show ourselves to them. Let them see us. So we're not going to sneak up in a way that they can't see us. I want them to see us. Now remember, think about it. If they were to sneak, that would be a sign of weakness. So if, if they would get tried to sneak but get seen, then the enemy would be, their morale would be lifted. We're saying, you see those Israelites, they're all scared, they're, you know, they're all hiding, and they send spies and they're hiding. But if they walk up to us, and remember, Jonathan is, one, is the only one with the weapons. There's a reason why we were told that he has weapons and that he's going with his weapons carrier, because this is a show of strength. We're not even afraid to come up to you. This will start to sow some fear in the Philistines. Uh-oh, maybe... These Israelites who aren't even supposed to have weapons, look, here they have a guy who's armed uh, and, and he's walking right up to us and he's not even afraid. And then let's see what they say. If they say to us, um, wait there and, and we're going to come down and meet you. And whatever message it is that you want, we'll come down and talk to you. Then we'll stay right there and not go up and not bother them. And as Rashi points out, because this is a sign that they're brave, they're not afraid. 
If they're going to come down and greet us, that means they're not afraid to come out and expose themselves. They know they're strong, they know they're powerful, and they're not afraid to expose themselves. However, if they are afraid, but if this is what they say, then why don't you guys come to us, if that's what they say, then we alinu. Then we should go up, because then we know Then we know that God has placed them in our hands, and this is our sign. This is not a um, a um, magical sign at all. If they have us come to them, that means they're afraid of us. That means. They're afraid of us, and all what we need to do is frighten them and scare them. They're afraid of us, and the only way that they're willing to meet us is if we go into their camp so they'll feel a little safer. But they're too afraid to come out to us because they think that we have all kinds of mighty soldiers that if they come out to us, they'll be exposed and in danger. This is ingenious. And this is the same thing, very similar to what Gidon did when he, when, when he overheard the dreams that the people were saying that they were afraid of the might of Gidon, right? Then he realized and he knew that he would be able to um, stir up the camp and, and cause danger. Now, remember, Jonathan knew that even though we only have 600 soldiers, right? He knew that there were thousands upon thousands of so- potential soldiers among the Israelites. And if he got the... the, the um, momentum working in the right direction, the people of Israel would be able to stand up and, 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 and start fighting. So, So the two of them went ahead and they did exactly that. They showed themselves in front of the uh, Philistine garrison. And the Philistine said, Look, the, the Hebrews, they're, they're, they're leaving those... those um, those holes where they've been hiding. So in other words, they're kind of making fun, but they're also recognizing, "Uh uh-oh, they're getting out of those holes. They're not hiding anymore. They're revealing themselves in public. Whoa, we have something to be afraid of. And the people that were in that that stage, that uh, outpost, the... um, of the uh, Philistines said to Jonathan and to his assistant, "Come up to us, and we will um, and we will teach you something. and we'll let you know something. In other words, we'll show you who's boss. You come here." And Yonasan knew he had this exactly the sign that he was looking for. He says to his assistant, follow me, We can nail them. We can get them. God has placed them in the hands of Israel. So Jonathan uh, climbed up the, the rock towards their thing on his hands and feet. And his uh, weapons carrier behind him. And he slaughtered them. And um, he knocked them down. And Jonathan killed the people in this outpost. And then... And the first attack against the Philistines, that Yonason struck down and his weapons barrier, these two took on 20 men. Um, and this, uh, um, uh, the, 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 uh, literally, this means in 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 the um, in, in the small 
area of land, like which is about a space of a of a half a furrow in a measure of land. And it's somebody like you can translate that an acre, but it means a certain measure of land. So the bottom line is in in a in a small area there was twenty men and Jonathan was knocked out twenty men, all twenty in this in this small area. So immediately, immediately there was a tremendous amount of fear among the camps uh, that were scattered out throughout the field and the entire nation of the Philistines, the, the raiding parties that went out, the Mashchit and the Matzav and those that were stationed in the garrisons, they were all afraid. And the entire land shook with all the, the whole Philistine army started to move with might, and they they had a tremendous fear of God and a fear of the of the people of Israel. And the um, the lookouts that Saul had placed uh, in Givat Binyamin, in the high place of Benjamin, where the in in Giva, where Saul was based. He had lookouts, and they saw now the Philistine camp, the entire massive camp of the Philistines was running to and fro, scattering in all different directions. So Jonathan had succeeded in accomplishing exactly what he was attempting to do, and a very similar plan to what Gidon had done. Um, so while Saul was uh, relying on the uh, aphod and and the priests, the corrupt priests who were um, very problematic indeed, um, Jonathan was successful in accomplishing what he's going to do. I'm going to stop here, um, and we will continue in the next podcast with the uh, with the, the story of this battle. Thank you so much for uh, studying uh, 14a with me. Looking forward to studying the rest of this chapter and the rest of this book of Samuel together.